Hi, I'm Archie Burton-Smith, writer and director of The Longest Night. Before we begin the episode, I'd like to talk about a few things. First, the featured cause of this episode is The Trevor Project, the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people under 25. As coronavirus lockdown takes its toll on mental wellness, some of our most vulnerable communities are left without support. The Trevor Project provides LGBTQ youth emergency counseling services and works to train and educate both adults and youth alike on LGBTQ allyship and suicide prevention. The Trevor Project provides life-saving and life-affirming services that many LGBTQ youth would otherwise be without. Visit thetrevorproject.org to support, get involved with, and learn more about The Trevor Project. Next, a content warning. The Longest Night is a show that deals with dark subject matter and potentially distressing themes. Episode 2 contains coarse language and frightening scenes. Now, without further ado, I'm pleased to present Episode 2 of The Longest Night. Enjoy. UC Follies presents The Longest Night, a radio play by Archie Burton-Smith. Episode 2, Days Gone By. Chapter 3, When a Stranger Calls. Do you mind if I record this? No problem, little lady. Is for uh, your documentary? Yeah. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure thing. Name is Walter Diamond. I work down the road at County Ranch, and I'm currently driving Miss Yacht here to Wilson Farmhouse. Why are you driving me? Because I'm not letting any young lady walk down the highway alone as it gets dark. Perfect. And... Thanks again. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the company. You know, things can get boring out here, so new faces are always good. So, there a reason you're going to that place? People want answers about what happened. If that's all you're looking for, I can tell you what happened. Wilson Boy went postal and murdered his family. Don't you wonder why, though? Yeah, the Wilsons were an odd bunch. You know, father was eccentric, but they're not quite there. Their eldest ran a nuisance of a radio show. Greg. Yeah. He died up the road, though, at the station. But the boy ran through the wall and shot him eight times. Seems like an exaggeration. Uh, maybe, but there was a lot of blood. Really? Oh, yeah. The boys and I watched them bring the body out. The place was splattered. Jesus. Right? Really, though, you know, weird family. I don't know what they got up to at their house. No wonder something bad happened, you know, crazy thing like that. I like the girl, though. Sarah? No, no, they just had one daughter, Catherine. Now, she was a looker. He's wrong, by the way. You probably already know that. There were four Wilson children. Kit, the oldest, Greg, Andrew, and Sarah, my mother. She just had a short haircut. I guess in the 80s that meant Hicks thought you were a boy. Okay, that was unfair of me. Walter was nice enough to offer me a ride to the house, and honestly, I never would have found it if he hadn't helped me out. For some reason, my family decided to buy a house in the middle of nowhere and made the only access route a dirt road hidden from view on the first pass. Walter saved me from missing that driveway and getting hopelessly lost in the surprisingly dark southern night. 
I just wish he wouldn't talk so rudely about my family. Apparently, he lived down the road when he was a teenager and knew Kit, so that gives him the right to make sweeping value judgments about all of them. Look, I get it. Andrew killed them. That's scary. But they weren't a family of psychos like he describes them. They were just people. It's kind of amazing, honestly, how many stories people have made up to explain what happened. Walter suggested that they were all lunatics cooped up in a house together. I've also heard stories of my family being killed by ghosts, Andrew being a sleeper agent, alien abductions, and my personal favorite, not dying at all and actually being an elaborate hoax to promote gun control laws. Walter's lunatics theory hurts a little bit more because it means he blames all of them, not just Andrew. His suggests that somehow my family was responsible for their own murders. He probably wouldn't be talking shit if he knew I was related to them, but it was easier to just tell them I'm a filmmaker than explain how a Chinese girl is related to these people. I haven't seen a single Asian person since I got here, so I feel like explaining the adoption process would take a while. He complained about my family for most of the drive, but still, he gave me a ride. And I appreciate that. Well, we're here. Wow. It's... Haunting. You're not wrong. Good luck in there, kid. Thanks. I guess it's time to head inside. Any way I can convince you not to go in there? Nope. I've got to. Well, be careful. That place is... wrong. Thanks for the lift, Walter. Yeah, anytime. Walter definitely wasn't wrong on that one. Just looking at this house, I felt uneasy. That might seem obvious. The mass murder that stopped me from ever meeting my family happened here. But this uneasiness wasn't about something that happened. I felt uneasy about the future. An overwhelming wave of dread. Still, I went inside. The house was, well, a fucking wreck. The first thing I noticed walking inside was the smell. Tinny, rusty, rotten. My first assumption was that it must be mold or something. The house was clearly in a state of decay, so the thing had to be full of mold, right? Looking back, it may have been wishful thinking that that was what the stinging smell was. I stood in the main foyer, taking everything in. The house wasn't giant, but it was a good size. On the ground floor was a kitchen, dining room, and living room. The upstairs were three bedrooms, one for my grandparents, one for the boys, and one for the girls. And a bathroom. One of those classic shag-carpeted 70s bathrooms. The kind that feels amazing on your feet, but also gives you the existential feeling of knowing you have to clean it. Whoever's idea it was to put carpets in bathrooms is A, my hero, and B, can fuck right off. Sorry, tangent. The stairs were collapsed from years of rot, mites, and general neglect, so I actually used the dumb waiter to get upstairs. That's how old school this house is. Dumb waiter old school. The reason I crawled into a tiny box and pulled myself up a whole story 
was because I needed to get to my grandfather's room. More specifically, I needed to get to his black box. As I mentioned before, my grandfather adored recording things. He recorded everything and got his kids to do the same. This works out for us because of what he left behind. The black box. My grandfather kept all of the tapes that he found interesting and filed them in here. Often, my family wouldn't even know that he had made these copies of their recorded conversations. If they ever found out, he'd probably just have told them that he needed it for posterity. According to mom, the whole family were just used to his love of taping things. So they just let things like that go. Anyway, I got up to his room, crawled under the bed, and found his black box tucked away. You're probably wondering how I knew where it was. The box was well hidden, and I don't think my mom knew it existed. So how did I know? The reason I know is actually the same reason I'm here. A call I got one week before my fateful trip to the Wilson farmhouse. I could tell you, but it's probably better you listen to it yourself. Hello? Hello, Jess. Sorry, who is this? This is your uncle. I'm sorry, I don't find that very funny. I don't have an uncle. Is this Jess Yock, U.S. Coast Guard Operations Specialist, daughter of Sarah Yock, nay Wilson? Yes. Seeing as Sarah is my sister, I'm your uncle. You're... aren't you in prison? What are you talking about? I'm out. I'm going to call the police. This isn't funny. Call them, and I'm afraid I'll have to do something neither of us want me to do. Excuse me? I'm watching your mother, Jess. Right now. I don't believe you. Then that's on you. I haven't seen my sister in years, but she does move the same. Uh, Looks like she's done making dinner. Stop it! You're not! Roast chicken. Ooh, looks tasty. What do you want? I need you, Jess. What the fuck are you talking about? I, I, I've been keeping posted on you. What you do with recordings. I heard you in an interview. You're very scared. What do you want? My, my father used to make tapes. Recordings of all of us. He kept them in a black box hide it under his bed. I know you listen to tapes for a living. I want you to listen to those. For what reason? To find out what happened. The truth. Do what you're good at. The truth is you killed your family. Jess, there there is so much you don't know. And you'll know that once you listen to these tapes, you'll learn everything. You just need to listen for it. And if I refuse? Sarah and I have a long-awaited reunion. Don't you fucking touch her, I swear to God! <laughs> Don't make me. Don't make me finish this. I will if I have to. Fine. I'll listen to your fucking tapes. Just leave her alone. I will. Listen to the tapes. Learn the truth. And I'll leave you two alone. Forever. Please. If you want me to find the whole truth, I'm gonna need to be able to talk to her about it. 
worried about me, or she'll be seeing Kit very soon. You're... you're a monster. Good luck, Jess. I believe in you. Fuck you. Jess. What? Tell, tell your mother the stove is on too high. Come on, come on, pick up. Mom, are you there? Yes, Jess, baby, what's going on? You sound stressed. Are you okay? I'm fine. Just taking dinner out of the oven. Oh, thank God. I mean, I'm roasting chicken. I can handle that without God's help. Although, it did get kind of burnt. No, just... Never mind. Okay, weirdo. Where are you stationed this month? I... I... I think I'm going to be going on shore leave. Might do some traveling for the next month. Well, that sounds nice. Just be careful, okay? Send me a postcard. Yeah, Mom. Will do. Is everything okay? Yeah. It will be. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, well, call me anytime you need me. I love you. I love you, too. Chapter 4. Something Borrowed I applied for shore leave the next day. Six days later, I arrived in town and found myself inside my grandfather's bedroom looking at his cassettes. There were six in total, all neatly labeled in fine pen ink. Kit Wedding, 1977. Judy Town Hall, 1967. Sarah CB Radio, 1980. Clark Radio Program, 1948. Andrew and Friend, 1980, and Kit Appointment, 1979. I grabbed the box and lugged them over to the dumbwaiter. I took it downstairs and set myself at the dining room table. Sitting on the last sturdy chair in the house, I listened through all the tapes. And Andrew was right. Listening to those, I found the truth. A truth more awful than I could have ever imagined. The first tape I want you to listen to, though, is the one that I describe as the least sinister, Kit's Wedding. Before I listened to the tape for the first time, I already knew what would be on it. My mother loved to talk about Kit's wedding. Kit was married when my mom was 13, and according to her, it was very eventful. There was food, laughter, drinking, oh, and her high school boyfriend Fitz objected to her union and declared his love for her. Apparently Greg stepped up and kicked him out after that. Despite her usual embargo on sentimentality about her family, my mom talks about this wedding like it was yesterday. And listening to it, you'll start to understand why. And we are live. It's working? Yep, it's on. Now get out of here, Dad. I'm going first. It was my idea. You have wedding duties, old man. Besides, I have to test everything out, make sure it actually works. I've used a tape recorder before. Yeah, in like the 50s. Now let me get it set up. Shoo. Fine, fine. Hi, Kit. It's me, your brother Greg. The date is June 15th, 1977. Or as you probably already know, your wedding day! Woo! <laughs> Dad has decided that rather than do the thing where we awkwardly toast at the reception and force you to sit through us talking about our feelings, 
we should record our toasts for you instead and let you actually enjoy your wedding day. You'll probably get these tapes as an anniversary gift. Or, knowing Dad's tendency to hoard tapes, never. Anyway, I gotta say that I didn't think you had it in you, sis. I mean, getting married, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Honestly, I, I always saw you more as an old spinster who never settled down because no one was ever good enough for you. But apparently, Garrett is good enough. Somehow. Sorry, bad joke. I, I'm actually really happy for you and the G-Man. I didn't like him at first, and I will admit he's grown on me. I think the two of you are going to be really happy together. I mean that. Also, I know everyone's going to try and pressure you into staying in town, but don't. Go live your life. You were never a farm kid like the rest of us. Hell, neither am I, but I'm the second oldest, so I'm obliged to stay in town. I'll be interning at the radio station this summer, and if that works out, I'll have to stick around to watch over everyone anyway. The family is in good hands, so you don't need to worry. I'm sure you already know this, but your wedding looks great. I know it was, it was weird that Dad insisted he decorate, and that the two of us were worried about it, but he, he kind of pulled it off. Very farmhouse chic. I know it's early days, but I think your wedding is going to be beautiful. As long as we keep Fitz under control, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry, I gotta ask, why did you invite him? Your high school boyfriend who's still obsessed with you seems like a weird guest for the happiest day of your life, but hey, say la vie, it's your wedding. Anyway, uh, I should pass the mic on to the next person or this will take forever, but... Know that I really hope today goes amazing. I love you, Kit. Have a great day. Hello, Catherine. Uh, this is your father. Um, I'm not the best at this sort of thing, but I wanted to tell you I'm proud of you. I know uh, that we uh, don't talk as much these days, but I wanted you to know I am so proud of you for everything you've accomplished. And Garrett is a lovely young man, and I think the two of you make a lovely couple. You know, plus, he's a doctor, so <laughs> it's nice to know you'll always be taken care of. <laughs> I am sorry. I've been difficult the past month. I know you only let me decorate because you felt bad saying no, but I really appreciate that you did. I just wanted to make you proud one more time. I had a hard time with the idea of you moving away after this, but I understand that I need to let you go. I want you to go follow your dreams and live in the city, but just remember that your family is always going to be here for you. I know you just want to get going, but I do want to say if you ever need somewhere to go, just say the word. Your room will be waiting for you. I love you, dear. Even if I don't say it enough. Kit, this is your sister, Sarah, and I'm furious with you. I can't believe you're doing this. You promised you'd always be there for me, and now you're leaving town with Garrett? Sisters are supposed to stick together. 
How are you going to stick with me when you're living in Atlanta? I'm going to be all alone with you, Vaughn. Craig lives across town and only comes by every once in a while. Andrew spends all his time hanging out in the basement, and now you're leaving. No one's around to spend time with me. It's just going to be me and Mom and Dad, and they're... old. I... yes, I am kind of excited you're getting married. I know how excited you are, just... I don't want you to leave. Maybe Garrett can move in with us? He can take Greg's old half of Andrew's room and we can stay in ours. Or maybe you cannot marry Garrett and marry Fitz instead. He's clearly in love with you still, and he lives in town. Or maybe you could... That all doesn't make any sense, does it? Damn it. Oops, please don't tell Mom I swore on this tape. Dad says I'm supposed to say something nice on here, so I guess I probably should. I love you, Kit. I just don't want to lose you. Promise me you'll write. And send postcards. And call. And keep in touch. Just don't forget about me, okay? Oh my god, why would you invite Fitz to your wedding, Kit? <laughs> that man is one, an idiot. Two, definitely still in love with you. And three, uh, surprisingly strong. After he attempted to object to your wedding, Greg and I tried to drag him off the property, and he punched Greg real good in the eye and then just dashed off. I think he might still be on the property. <laughs> uh, this is Andrew, by the way. Um, I'm here to congratulate you on finding a way to get out of here. You're the only Wilson kid that's ever going to leave this town. I mean, Greg's staying to work at the radio station, and, um, you know, judging by Dad's hinting, Sarah and I are going to be left running this place when they're gone. So, that's a fun decision for him to make for us. Uh, you see, I, I've been having troubles talking to Mom and Dad lately. I mean, Mom has never really been a conversationalist, but I'm having trouble talking to Dad, too. Because he, he always wants me to, to do this or be like that, and I, you know, I'm just getting tired of it. And you being gone is... It's gonna suck, because there's no adult for me to talk to about stuff anymore. But but I want you to go and be happy. You've earned it. Have fun in Atlanta and, and keep in touch, but focus on you, okay? I love you, sis, and I hope the future's bright. You've got a whole life ahead of you. Hey, Kit! Thanks for inviting Fitz. Really loved it being here. Greg, don't talk like that. Sorry, Mom. What are we doing here, Greg? We're making a recording for Kit, remember? Oh, right. Uh, hello, Catherine. It's your mother. Uh, you're getting married today. That's exciting. Getting out of the house will be good for you. I, I was worried none of you would leave, really, so I'm glad you're going. Thanks, Mom. I, I mean, I'm happy she's doing what she wants to do. And you're doing what you want as well, Greg. That's good. I'm just... 
excited for both of you. I want all of you to be able to go and do what you want. And I'm just so happy you're all safe. And you'll be safer away from here. Sorry about that, Kit. She's been on a new medication that's making her flighty. Uh, flightier, I mean. She loves you, though. That's what matters. Now, if you excuse me, I have to go make sure Fitz is off our property. Kit, it's me. It's Fitzgerald. I had to sneak in here to leave this message. Greg is trying to kick me off the property, but I need to tell you this. I love you. You can run away with me and leave that doctor guy and live with me. I know you still love me, Kit. I know you do. When your Uncle Elroy called and told me you wanted me here, I understood what you meant. You still love me. I know you telling me to fuck off when I object to your union was just an act, and that you still love me. You just need to tell everyone the truth so that we can be together. It'll be like high school again. You'll be my princess and me your knight in shining armor. I'll always love you, Kit. And this wedding, it's a sham, and you know it. Hey! Oh, God. Greg found me. Oh, it's clobbering time! Gotta go! Get him, Greg! Ah! Hi, me. It's Kit. I know the point of these recordings was to surprise me with a bunch of nice words, but... Each of my family members vanishing into the shed for a few minutes kinda tipped me off. I'm just here to tell you, you made it through your wedding day! And it went off without a hitch. Okay, maybe one major hitch. I have no idea who thought it would be a good idea to invite Fitz to my wedding. I'm gonna guess Andrew did though. He always liked that kind of drama. Anyways, despite your high school boyfriend trying to get you to leave your husband at the altar, things went pretty well. Dad did a surprisingly good job at decorating. I really didn't want him to, but I think it was his way of apologizing for not talking to me much since I announced I was leaving, so I gave it the go-ahead. Garrett is in a pissy mood about the Fitz interruption, but I thought it was funny. Me finding it funny may have contributed to Garrett's bad mood, to be honest. Men can be difficult. Sarah is lucky she doesn't need to worry about that. I mean... Of course, she'll have to deal with shitty men in her life, but she won't have to deal with dating them ever. She seems to know herself well enough to not make that mistake. I, I probably shouldn't have said that. Strike that from the record. I am maybe a little drunk right now. But I'm excited. I'm married. I'm moving away. I earned it. I should probably also take this time to say something to Sarah. Sarah, if you listen to this, I know you're upset I'm leaving, but even if we're apart, I'm always going to be there for you. You're my sister, and I love you. If you ever need anything, ever, call me, and I will be there for you. I will always have your back. I love you, buddy. And I know how mad you are right now, but one day you'll understand. Okay, I think I should probably head back out to the wedding. Garrett is crabby, and I'm going to have to brighten his mood. How will I ever do that? <laughs> I love you, Sarah. And you, Greg, and Andrew, and Mom and Dad, and even in some strange way, I love Fitz. Though, not like he wants. Also, don't tell him I said that, because he will never let it go. 
and I love you, Kit. I don't know where you'll be in life when Dad gives you these recordings, but I know it's going to be somewhere great. Happy wedding day. You rocked it. And that's where the recordings end. I have to admit, hearing those recordings for the first time threw me for a loop. I'd never heard most of my family's voices before, let alone together. And they were alive and generally happy. Even now, it's amazing to me hearing this. They were real people. It also made me understand how my mom feels about her sister. I never met Kit, but in her voice, there's this energy that's infectious. It makes you happy and want to root for her. Listening to the tapes, you can tell she was such a big part of all of their lives. And it makes sense. She seems like an amazing person. And I'm truly sad I'll never get to meet her. After I listened to the tape, I just had to call my mom. I knew I had to listen to the other tapes and that if I didn't do it soon, Andrew might do something terrible. But I just needed to hear my mom talk about Kit's wedding one more time. Because I finally understood why it meant so much to her. Not because it was some perfect day. It was totally flawed, courtesy of Fitz's declaration. But the Wilsons were all flawed together. They had each other and were a mess as a group. I couldn't tell her I heard the tape, but it was worth calling just to talk about it. Hello? Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. How's shore leave? It's been stressful so far, but it's improving. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Can you tell me about Aunt Kit's wedding again? Oh. Um, sure. It means a lot to me. Okay. It was in the middle of June in 1977. Or maybe February, 78. Whatever year it was when I was 13. My sister was getting married... And I was furious. Mom proceeded to tell me the story once more. Of Granddad decorating, Fitz and Greg fighting, Mom and Andrew stealing some alcohol and making themselves sick. It was a wonderful story. However, all good stories come to an end. And that is how your Uncle Greg came to always claim that he saved your Aunt Kit's wedding. <laughs> that is such a crazy story, Mom. Why on earth did your Uncle Elroy invite Fitz? Excuse me? Uncle Elroy? He invited Fitz, didn't he? Jess, I didn't have an Uncle Elroy. Your grandfather was an only child. Oh. I don't know where that detail came from. I'm probably just misremembering. I should... I should go, Mom. Everything all right? Yeah. Love you. Talk soon. Let's listen again. When your Uncle Elroy called and told me you wanted me here, I understood what you meant. You still love me. Fitz specifically said Uncle Elroy. After that call with my mom, despite the southern heat, I felt a chill down my spine. Who was this Uncle Elroy that called Fitz? My grandfather's name was Clark. You can't mistake that for Elroy. No one in my family has a name even remotely similar. But Fitz said Uncle Elroy invited him. When I started this tape, I told you it was the least sinister one. But 
that doesn't mean everything about it was fine. It was just the first step down a path that led to something dark. Something evil. I immediately put in the next tape and started to listen. And as I worked through the tapes, I discovered something was happening there. I guess, in a way, Walter was right. This wasn't a normal house. Something was wrong with it. I should have listened to him. Instead, I kept listening to the tapes. Night. Starring Elizabeth So as Jess Yock, Kit Domansky as Sarah Wilson, Adrian Pavone as Andrew Wilson, Lova Beckwit as Greg Wilson, Casey Belding as Kit Wilson, Brendan Rush as Clark Wilson, Olivia Thornton Nickerson as Judy Wilson, with Julia Pape as Daisy and Ashley Zwick as The Friend. Featuring Martin Konka as The Narrator, Zaharin Taraftar as Aaron Richardson, and Jasmine Cabanella as Cordelia Summer. Additional voices by Archie Burton-Smith, Sabrina Weinstein, Morgan Beck, Beatrice Friedman, Michael Elliott, Aminda Basmont, and the entire Longest Night cast. Directed by Archie Burton-Smith. Assistant directed by Morgan Beck. Art direction by Abigail S. Torero. Edited by Matt Lamont. Produced by Sabrina Weinstein. Written by Archie Burton-Smith. Dead Ringer and O Death by Bassett. Original music by Morgan Wolfe.